Hello, hello, my friends from the Innovation Garage. This is Vinicius David uh, bringing to you another podcast um, here from Silicon Valley, the birthplace of the big startups and the big companies that have made history in technology. So today we're going to be talking about um, a pretty important topic, which is high performance in business. This is one of the uh, the first courses that I taught at, um, at UC Berkeley. Actually, the first one. I've been fascinated over time about what differentiates uh, organizations, teams apart. And to me, the ability to have people uh, with a different mindset in terms of well, what high performance is, it's one of the key elements of success. People who do not settle for low performance. People who will be the ones trying to get the bar high in whatever they do, whether they are leaders hiring um, more people for their teams, whether they're part of a team and they want to raise the bar of that team, that's the mindset of those who actually go beyond. And this is uh, pretty much one of the key DNAs of, um, of Silicon Valley. This is the place where people really want to push the bar forward. This is the place where people really wake up every day trying to change the world because, you know, as Steve Jobs said, those who are crazy enough to think they can actually change the world end up doing that. And nothing better than discussing what high performance is, especially in business to, uh, you know, uh, talk about uh, what this place is all about. Now, what, what do you should care about this discussion, right? So very simple. If you are working for someone, if you're a part of a team, you need to think about high performance for you to be promoted very quickly. You need to think about high performance to, you know, end up getting you a career that will give you more money, will give you uh, more uh, rewards. If you are in a position of leadership, you need to think about the fact that, uh, look, if you hire someone who is top notch, top performer, this person will end up doing the work of maybe four or five. And here I'm not talking about uh, the total amount of hours worked. I'm talking about outcomes. I'm talking about, you know, what's the value of a product that a high performing uh, organization can create? What is the value of a company that a high performing team can actually create when we think about, you know, a product created by average people? This is very different, right? So uh, high-performing organizations, high-performing individuals, high-performing companies, they typically have a higher market cap. And if you're a person looking for a job or trying to find a better job, having a high-performance career will make it much easier for you. By the way, if you're in the Hall of Fame of those who are top performers in the industry, you don't need to worry. Your your door is going to be, you know, knocking all the time. Your phone was not, will not stop ringing because you're going to be very attractive in the marketplace. And we're going to be talking about the elements of uh, what actually creates high performance. And uh, over time, after creating multiple teams and uh, passionate about um, putting uh, top people working together, uh, pushing the envelope for many individuals, uh, over time, three things define a high performing organization. Number one, culture. And what is specifically about culture? People who actually have high performance in their DNA, they contribute for a more potent culture in terms of uh, innovation, in terms of transformation, in terms of actually doing more. And if you're part of a team that has a bunch of other top performers, guess what? The culture of your organization, the culture of your company will be standing out. Second element of a high performance, uh, I'd say person in DNA or organization, excellence in execution. Um, many 
have already heard that, uh, you know, execution is going to eat strategy for breakfast. Many people spend a ton of time thinking, thinking, thinking. And in the end of the day, it's so easy to rent a thinker, but hiring a doer, someone who actually gets stuff done, it's very, very difficult. So excellence and execution very much matter in this game. And the third one is, look, people who have vision, people who create purpose in everything they do, or people who actually find ways to get to the purpose of their lives in everything they do at work, those are the ones who go actually above and beyond. And we're going to be talking about these three topics in uh, three separate um, episodes of, um, of the Innovation Garage. These are very uh, unique uh, themes, uh, very important, and uh, we'll be taking the, the right time to observe them. And today we're going to be talking in details about culture. So um, let's start with the uh, with culture, right? So how, how is that actually important uh, for many people, right? So what does culture have to do with high performance? Um, let's think about first, what, how can we define culture? Many people talk about that. Many people talk about, look, someone needs to have fit with the culture. But uh, to me, one of the best definitions of culture that I've heard is from Jeff Weiner, the ex-CEO of LinkedIn. Culture is the collective personality of a team. How does a team behave when the boss is not around? How do people perceive an organization outside? How do your partners, how do your customers actually perceive your business, your company, right? So what do you, does their boss tell about you? What do your peers actually uh, can say about you, the way you perform things, right? So it's your DNA. That's what, you know, makes you stand out. It becomes part of your brand. So this is pretty much what we are trying to look for in this conversation, right? So um, how do you behave collectively? How do you stand out? How do you make the collective behavior of a team actually become stronger? This is very fascinating because, you know, companies who actually think about hiring based on culture fit first are the ones that are standing out. In many cases, first and foremost, we are seeing still companies where the boss still has the final word about who gets hired. Just think about this. How much time do you spend with your boss, right? So I probably spend 10 to 15% of my time with my boss, maybe no more than 10. Like if 90% of my time I actually spend with my team, with my peers, I think it's more than fair that they they are the ones actually who have a very important word or even the final word concerning who else is joining the team. Why? Because, you know, they, they, they need to have fit. They need to create a bond with these people. And, and to me, you know, creating a process where you can not only help the organization assess, but if you're on the other side of the table, right? So you need to understand what's the DNA of this organization? What's the culture you're joining? Are you going to be a good fit? I mean, does this company, does this organization actually have the values you stand for? Because if the answer is no, you're going to be happy in terms of, uh, you know, your honeymoon period, which is going to last not long. And after three to six months, you're not going to be so happy, right? So, and, and you're not going to jump ship. I mean, many times in your career, uh, you can, but you know, if you do that every 
year, it's not going to be conducive to success long term, right? So choosing the organization, choosing who is going to be your boss, it's very, very important. And why am I saying that? Because top performers, they have choices, right? So choosing who is going to be your boss is very directly linked, I mean, to the success of your career. Choosing who is going to be part of your team if you're in a position of leadership is very much linked to the success you have as a leader, right? Um, look thoroughly, right? So ask around, is this person uh, I raise in star in this organization? Is this person a successful leader, a respected one? If this person is just an average leader, if this person is just a leader that, you know, does not have respect in the system, guess what? You're not going to be growing because this person is not going to be growing. And if this person is not growing, the chances are that you're going to get stuck, right? So before you think about the next job you want to take, before you think about the next person you want to hire, think about the cultural fit first. Now, the, uh, the second important thing that I see as part of uh, high-performing uh, individuals and high-performing organizations is they matter about um, diversity and inclusion, right? So high-performing organizations, high-performing companies, they actually have higher levels of diversity. And why is this thing important, right? So just think about this research from the MIT McKinsey. They show that the, uh, the top line for companies that have high diversity levels, I mean, they could be as high as 40% um, more than their peers in the industry. Profit could be higher as much as 25% than those who do not have a lot of diversity, right? Now, What's the difference between diversity and inclusion? And, and again, these are not mutually exclusive things, right? So uh, you need to think about both very, very, very differently. So think about this. Diversity is actually getting invited to a party, right? So you've got to have people representing, you know, different um, members of, uh, of the uh, society around us. I mean, people who come from different uh, backgrounds and uh, different countries represent different ethnicities, represent, you know, uh, many groups in terms of, uh, you know, what they think, uh, who they are. And it doesn't matter in the end of the day if you don't think about diversity of thought, right? So it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your sexual orientation. It matters if you respect the diversity of thought, every person has a fair chance to say what is right and what is not right in the system. Either if you're talking about a large company, a small company, if you think about the diversity of thought first, everything else is gonna be simpler. Now, if somebody's invited to the party, right? So that's the first person, I mean, uh, respect diversity, everybody has an invitation. Now, what happens if you do not take people to dance, right? If you do not invite people to dance in your party, that's going to be very, very bad, right? So you're going to feel excluded. By that, I mean, if you're not creating an environment as a leader, if you as a person are not thinking about diversity and are not thinking about including everyone, respecting and listening to everyone like you would everybody else that's a problem because you're going to you're going to make someone feel ashamed you're going to make someone embarrassed in the environment and as in many cases i say it doesn't matter if you have diversity if you're not working to include people right so it could be even worse you could make it pretty hard for a person if you invite someone who represent a diverse group of people right but your inclusion is very poor it's going to compromise. So 
think about both. And why am I saying that, right? So uh, working in an environment with a lot of diversity, a lot of inclusion, it's much nicer. It's fun. It's very cool. And the importance of this thing, just think about this, right? So you have a startup that is starting in three months. You get a big round of, inf of investment and funding. So number one employee, black Latin American, second, a person from India, third, a person from China, fourth, a female, fifth, uh, you know, a member of the LGBT and so forth. So if you have a pretty diverse and a pretty inclusive environment, what do you bring? You bring diversity of thought. I mean, you're going to think about your product. You're going to think about the customer. You're going to think about the different personas, the people who consume your experience in a much broader way. You're going to bring social latitude to the product, to the solution, to the services you want to bring as a company. And there is no research. There is no market research. There is no focus group. There is no nothing that will replace the value that diversity of thought represented by the different backgrounds that people can bring will actually create in terms of benefit and value to the system. And important thing to uh, notice here, right? So um, why is this so important? Um, very importantly to say companies are doing this since day one. Many companies who have been around for many, many decades, they have thought about these things for a long time. And unfortunately, we are facing a moment in our societies in many different countries where we're seeing people divided, right? So we need to bring back these discussions. We need to bring back these discussions because if we do not keep the heat on, this conversation is not over, right? So. Uh, especially here in Silicon Valley, I've seen a lot of people actually saying that, look, uh, the levels of diversity and inclusion, they're actually decreasing when we compare it to the past 10 years. Why? Because people assume and they take as granted that this place is going to be, you know, fully representative of high diversity and the conversations actually slow down. It needs to continue on. We need to keep the heat on and the, um, the foot on the gas in many of these things. Right. Um, now, um, why I motivated organization, why energy and passion is also very, very important for a culture. Look, just, just, just think about the, uh, the top years, the nicest people you've worked with, right? So there's no way they're not going to have passion, right? So having passion for what you do, it's going to be a big, big predictor of high performance. Uh, Gallup actually states that, uh, you know, someone who is actually engaged and motivated, they love what they do. They will produce actually, you know, 40% more and they will innovate three times more, right? So the same Gallup, they have uh, extensive surveys around employee engagement. And unfortunately, many, many companies still have the majority of their people who are not 100% happy. And why this thing matters? Because when you double down on some of these numbers, if someone is not engaged, the likelihood that they're not gonna, going to push the envelope to transform is pretty high. Approximately 97% of these people won't do anything in terms of transforming, in terms of changing and innovating in the environment. Reason why that having a culture, you being a member, active agent of change and creating this vision that you create a culture, you are part of that. It's what actually defines high performance in its core. Okay. Now, um, how do you think about creating high performance organizations? Number one, if you're a leader, right? You've got to change and reinvent the way you hire people. 
Number one, you can't just think about hard skills and soft skills. You have to think about what's the culture of my company? What defines the culture of my company? If it's not written, go look for that. Talk to your boss, talk to your leader, talk to other peers and define, I mean, how does the culture work here? You can't hire someone that has no fit. Even if this person has come with all the credentials, top-notch Ivy League schools, a lot of experience, all the great. So if the person would not fit the culture, one, this person is gonna leave soon. And this is going to create a much bigger problem for you down the road. So create a hiring process where you have people, you have your team assessing cultural fit first. Then the second thing is, um, make the process long, do not compromise quality just with the velocity of the hiring process. And the best way to do that is just think about what people do in soccer, right? So how do players like Messi, Neymar, they actually get picked. I mean, actually they get picked when they're pretty young. And the way this thing happens today, you have a lot of analytics, like you employ a lot of employee people analytics when you're thinking about soft skills, right? So you test people, which is good, right? So you're gonna screen people, you're gonna have that first, second filter, which is very important for certain jobs. It can't predict high performance in many areas, especially creative areas, but it could be a great predictor for many, many jobs. Then once you do that, there is no way you can't replace the human eyes and you have to go see the way people work. You need to ask for references. You need to get the history of a person. You can't just rely on an interview. People will be very good at changing the reality during an interview. You've got to give people the chance. That's the reason why I love internships. I love long internships. I love to actually invite people to do social work with us. I like to invite people to, you know, participate in mentoring, coaching sections. I love to coach and mentor people because through these conversations, actually I can interview someone for six months before I decide. Reason I always say this, like, you know, if you're going to think about a name when you actually need to hire someone, it's too late. Have a list of 10 to 15 people in your back pocket, people who you admire, people who have the credentials, the talent, the passion, people who you know will get things done, who have high performance in everything they do in life. When the chance is right, when you have a job, you go and you approach them. But the top ones, they're not gonna be available, right? So they need to be highly recruited. You need to put in an effort, right? So if people are knocking on your door, mm, I don't know, you are gonna have to knock on people's door to actually convince them that they should work for you. And in many cases, you're not gonna find a specialist that is ready, that has done exactly what you want for 10 years. You have to train people on the job, right? So because, you know, if you hire specialists, probably they're gonna get quicker results in six months. But down the road, once you have the top performer learning, you know, the hard skills for a job and hard skills for a job, they are very much learned, I mean, very quickly if the person is smart. Now, some of the soft skills, some of these traits that define high performers, boy, after six to nine months, they are gonna be exponentially growing their performance when compared to the, uh, to the people who are specialists, but not necessarily top performers in their field. So um, this is one of the, uh, uh, the important things that I wanted to bring in this uh, first conversation about high performance, right? So let's just do a recap here. So number one, 
13 out of the 25 best companies who work for in technology, they are in Silicon Valley. So these big names in tech, I mean, these hot startups, it's no kidding. They create an environment for people to shine. Actually, they do well by hiring people who are top performers in their industries. Startups, they don't have a ton of money. They don't have uh, infinite money. However, they've got this strong belief. I mean, if the founder is pretty strong that, look, maybe if I hire just three people, but they are the best in my industry, it's better than having a team of 20 people who are just average. This makes a difference. And if you are working for someone, think about the fact that if you're the top performer in the group, you're gonna get promoted quicker. You're gonna end up making more money, which is gonna give you way more flexibility. And if you're in a position of leadership, your job is to create the Barcelona in your industry. You need to think about having the Ferrari Formula One team in your organization. How do you do that? First, you don't start to hire when you have a need. You start to hire every single day. Every day you meet a person who is a shining star, just find a way to keep the connection with this person alive because when the chance is there, go there and fish this person. And you need to do that seriously because the top performers, they're not gonna be looking for a job, so you have to hire them. You have to be very competent in creating a vision for your organization that will attract these people to actually create legacy. And uh, this is, the first conversation about her performance. And we talked about, you know, creating a potent culture for innovation and transformation. And on the next one, we're gonna be talking about the importance of excellence in execution and then creation of purpose and vision at work. My friends, it was awesome to spend this time with you. Thank you so much for tuning in in the Innovation Garage and look forward to seeing you again. Bye. 